Oh yeah. How does that fit in to a cohesive, larger vision? We will always have enough cash yeah. around. Strictly business. Hello, finance leaders, and welcome to CFO Year, your new favorite finance podcast. I'm Patrick, and I get to talk to finance professionals shaping new careers in the modern business world. Today, I'm speaking with Dan Wells, founder and CEO at Grow CFO. Just like CFO Connect, Grow CFO helps finance leaders connect with one another, share best practices and experiences, and includes subgroups for young finance professionals, women in finance, and future CFOs. This conversation is full of incredible nuggets. We talked about the biggest pressures on modern CFOs, the coming talent war in the finance function, and how imposter syndrome affects a large majority of finance leaders. You'll want to listen right the way through. Today's episode is brought to you by Spendesk the seven-in-one spending solution that puts finance teams in control with 100% visibility into company spend. And by CFO Connect, a global community for finance leaders. Join us at cfoconnect.eu and you can email podcast at cfoconnect.eu with any questions or feedback. Dan Wells, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're thrilled. And uh, as always, we'd just love to start with maybe a bit of a brief bio about yourself and your career. Sure. Nice to speak to everybody today. So a bit of background. So I'm an FCA qualified accountant. I'm based in the UK down in Surrey, just outside London. Um, in terms of my career, so my career has lasted for about 20 years so far. Um, I started out as an auditor in London working for Deloitte. Um, and I actually spent about 15 years at Deloitte. So I've worked with lots of different businesses, um, both in an audit capacity, but also um, within transaction services, corporate finance, um, and also through running the private equity-backed portfolio proposition in Deloitte UK. Um, I've also done a couple of finance secondments into finance functions as well. So I've kind of worked on both sides of the fence in terms of an advisor and also in companies. Um, I started off working with some fairly large businesses, some sort of well-known brands such as Vodafone. But then actually as my career progressed and focused a lot more on working with startups, scale-ups and, and sort of high-growth businesses, and then around about five, six years ago, um, KPMG had hunted me into their business to be an equity partner in their London office, where I quickly progressed into running their technology industry group. Um, so I ran that group for around about four years or so. And then back in 2019, um, I founded Grow CFO, um, having been approached by lots of finance leaders to sort of help address a gap in the market. Um, and ever since, I've been the CEO of the business for about the last two and a half years. Wonderful. Thank you. Did you enjoy that sort of consultant life in your time at Deloitte? It's a really good question, Patrick. I mean, I, I certainly have lots of great memories of it. And, and at the time, it, it suited me really well, sort of in a, in a younger lifestyle. Um, certainly made lots of friends and had an opportunity to learn lots of different skills and meet some sort of great people and, and work with some amazing clients. So, so I think overall, definitely had a great time. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's one of those careers where it's pretty demanding. Um, the work-life balance, you know, is something that is sort of hard to maintain with a, a young family, which is what I have now. Um, but 
I was lucky to get lots of great exposure to different things. So, um, so yeah, def- definitely pleased I did it. And do you think that that uh, the range of clients that you work with in that consulting background is, in, generally speaking, is that a really good preparation for someone who eventually wants to be a CFO? It's a question a lot of people ask me, actually, Patrick. I mean, I mm. when when I look at the routes through to CFO, you know, traditionally a lot of people started in practice and worked their way through. And, you know, the, the audit qualification, the chartered accountancy exams, you know, they certainly help sort of really give you a good introduction into the finance world. So I can completely understand why it can be good preparation for it. Um, but at the same time, there are actually a lot of other routes into CFO as well. So I see a lot of people, instead of coming from the sort of audits background, which I, I started with, and they may come from a more sort of consulting strategy or M&A type of background, uh, which you know can be very helpful if you're working in a, a dynamic business that's going to do fundraising, acquisitions, and, and on a, a future exit strategy. So, so I think in summary, I, I think answering your question, I, I think it does prepare people very well um, for a CFO role. But actually, I think we need to recognise here that you know, CFO role can mean a lot of different things in different businesses. Mm. Um, and, it, and it really depends on the, the type of the business and what their strategy is and what different types of skills they want the CFO to lead on. Um, and, and indeed, what kind of support they will get from their teams as well to complement their skills gaps. Just while we're on this topic, um, I, I, we, we talk quite a lot about the, the route, the path to becoming a CFO. And, and we often have this the separation uh, between those in practice, as we've just discussed, whether it's an audit or more kind of general consulting, and then those coming up through house, uh, in-house, through the company, and trying to basically just work your way up the ladder to becoming a CFO. Do you think that route is is limiting in, in any way? The, the route through the company, you mean? Yeah. I, I think it's an interesting one. I mean, when I look at it, there are some fantastic finance leaders out there who have pretty much ticked all of the different roles in the finance function in their career. And, you know, certainly that gives them a really good appreciation of what the finance function needs to do. And typically means they're very strong around things like the budgeting side of things, closing the books, governance, compliance, and so forth. So I I think it can help them a lot in, in that respect. And, you know, I think they really start to understand the impact that the finance function can make. Now, I think the reason that we are seeing a lot more people just come straight into the number one role from practice, whether that's from you know a senior audit background, M&A, strategy consulting, or whatever it might be, um, is because actually I think people that work their way through the finance function don't always get the exposure to mm. the different types of things that you get in a CFO role. So when you look at you know the CFO's role in being the co-pilot to the CEO and delivering the business plan, Actually, there's a lot of stuff in there around sort of fundraising, you know, implementing change and getting involved in strategic decisions, you know, being that external voice. And there's a lot of stuff in there that actually you're not really exposed to in the junior finance function roles. So I think that's why at the moment we're kind of in a in an interesting situation where we've got sort of people coming from those different backgrounds taking sort of different routes through. Um and, and, and it's quite apparent actually in Grow CFO. We we have about four hundred people that have completed our competency framework. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, that's something where people address themselves and as either beginner, intermediate or advanced against forty five different skills. And we do see that you know, the the results really vary depending on the backgrounds of the individuals concerned. Mm. And, and there's definitely trends depending on whether they've worked their way through a finance function or whether they've come through in practice. 
That's really interesting, and and we're we're going to talk a lot more about growth CFO. Just to finish this thought, I also wonder if if you think about it from the perspective of a CEO or a founder who's looking to hire that CFO, often one of the explicit reasons will be that they're trying to bring in skills that don't already exist in house. I imagine. Yes, absolutely, and it will partly depend on the size of the business because mm. if you're a startup then what you will typically find is a startup will invest very heavily in their sales and marketing and they'll invest very heavily in their product. So they'll typically have dedicated teams with you know, people on their leadership teams who are responsible for those areas. Now, what you will find is the finance leaders, you know, they, they tend to pick up most of the other aspects within the business nowadays so as well as running the finance functions they're that they're actually looking after things like it legal hr procurement workforce management real estate you know that the list goes on and on and and so obviously those types of skills are very different to, to what you would typically get from you know some of the backgrounds that we've talked about so far um, and and so if you've just got one person who's having to kind of run all those different things as a finance leader you probably do need quite a big mix of skills now I think if you're in a slightly more scaled up business then the chances are that actually you've got a, a very hands-on financial controller and um, you may have a head of FP&A and so what that means is that the CFO can kind of sit on top of that and, and really get more involved you know, at board level and, mm. and dictating the strategic matters. So I think it does depend on kind of what direct reports and support that the, the finance leader has in the finance function. Yeah, and, and we even talk about relatively often the difference between a Series B CFO and a Series C, D, F, whatever CFO. Those those skills and that positioning within the company can be quite different, um, at, Yeah, exactly as you say, depending on um, the 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 position where the company is at that point absolutely and you know back to your point yes i i think it's important that the cfo does bring in the skills that the management team don't already have and mm. um, certainly you know ceos will lean very heavily on their finance leaders to pick up the pieces that don't naturally fall into anyone else's job descriptions and we've talked a lot about why is that because you know, as, as we've outlined already, you know, it won't always be the case that the CFO has got experience of these areas. Um, but I think as a finance leader, you know, you, you've got a very strong perception around the business as being somebody who's reliable, you know, very good at adapting, um, very good at you know, problem solving and working out the answers to things that, that maybe are more complex. And um, so actually the, the CFO, as well as being very trusted, you know, is somebody that people are happy to, to delegate these complex matters to and and CEOs feel confident that those finance leaders will deliver. All right, let's go back to your journey uh, if we can. So we went Deloitte, then KPMG, and then you decided to found Grow CFO. Were you looking for quite a new direction in your career at that point? I was. I mean, I, I've always really enjoyed working with people. And, and what I found when I was at KPMG is I was I was turned as a kind of markets partner. So I spent most of my time working very closely with the CFOs and CEOs of companies. And I was constantly getting approached by CFOs saying to me that actually where I could really add value to them was helping them to you know, solve their problems, either by introducing them to other people who had been there and done it, you know, conquered the challenges that they were facing, um, or indeed by providing training and, you know, finding them mentors for people that could really help them through the next journey of, of their own career. 
And, and it just really struck me that actually so many people were asking me this, that clearly there was a gap in the market there around it. So I had a look and yes, there are some great qualifications out there for accountants and, and, and people working in finance, but, but actually most of those take place quite early on in people's careers. You know, they're more the, the foundation really for the, the future career path rather than something designed to help them in the senior roles. And so I got together a, a couple of focus groups of friendly finance leaders I'd worked with in the past. And I said to them, look, you know, is there, is there something here that I could actually help you with in a more dedicated manner? Mm. And it became clear to me that there was this big gap. So, so yeah, we did these focus groups. I remember the sessions, really good fun. And, and actually, you know, they, they pretty much helped to dictate what Grow CFO is now all about. And so how would you define the core mission? Well, the, the mission for us is to make sure that finance leaders and aspiring finance leaders, i.e. the next generation of finance leaders, feel supported throughout their journey. So we mm. want to make sure that people have got access to materials to help them conquer their challenges. We want to make sure that it's very easy for them to find buddies, you know, to, to be a sort of peer group network. And we want to be able to pair people up with mentors. And indeed, we want to be able to provide training programs that help the future CFOs and the existing CFOs. What do you like most about running a community like this full time? A lot of people ask me that, Patchy. I, mean, I think the thing that really likes me is that I really like is the satisfaction of helping people. Mm. So, you know, like like any startup business, you know, there's all sorts of challenges around growing the business, getting the right team. You know, any CEO would have to deal with that, just just like I've had to over the past few years. But but in terms of the actual community, it's just so rewarding when you know you've helped somebody, and there's nothing better than hearing a member success story, which you know, in our case, would either be you know, someone who's been desperate to land that first CFO role, suddenly, you know, getting through the interview process and starting that dream role. Um, or indeed, it might be somebody who's in their first few roles, and maybe sort of feeling a bit apprehensive about the, the scale of a challenge ahead of them. And suddenly, you know, they, they do a really good job, you know, they, they achieve some really great things for the business and, and feel like they're an established, successful finance leader. Are there financial challenges to running a community like this? Just putting your CFO hat on for a moment? Absolutely. I mean, like, like any startup or scale up, you know, we are a business, we employ people, you know, we, we have very good people, we're lucky to have a great team. And it's important that you know, we reward them accordingly. And yeah, I mean, every business has costs, you know, you, you start off, you know, fairly young, you're, you're obviously your revenue streams take a while to grow. Um, so I guess, you know, we have the same challenges around managing cash flows very carefully, you know, making sure that we're growing the business at the right pace. Um, whilst at the same time executing our mission. So yes, absolutely. And finally on, on Grow CFO, how do you measure success? Now that's a very good question. I mean, there's lots of different ways that we look at success. So one of our metrics is around how many members we have. So we've got about 2,500 members. We're very sort of focused on making sure that the quality of our membership is high. So uh, we do vet our members, but, you know, we're very pleased with that number. But that's certainly something we measure very carefully. Um, another one is the number of people in our training programs. So we've got almost 500 people now in our programs. So, again, you know, for us, that's a really important metric for the impact that we're making. Um, but as I said earlier, the, the other thing as well is is the outcomes. So, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, the training programs are serving their purpose and that the people going through them are positioning themselves for their dream roles. If you're enjoying this conversation, then you've got to check out CFO Connect, the global community for modern finance leaders like the ones on this podcast. 
We host monthly events and workshops, have a private Slack group for CFOs, and a one-on-one member matching program. CFO Connect membership is free, but reserved for experienced finance leaders. So if that's you, head over to cfoconnect.eu and apply to join us. We're going to pivot now and just sort of talk more generally because it would be a shame not to pick your brain about just this, the CFO role and the finance function in general. Um, so I want to start with a pretty broad question, which is just what new challenges do modern CFOs face? Well, I think the biggest challenge for a modern day CFO is the breadth of the role. Mm. And I talked earlier about the fact that a CFO not only has to lead a finance function, and deal with you know the huge number of complex finance matters that exist in most dynamic businesses, uh, but actually wears lots of operational hats as well. Um, so you, you'll recall earlier in the podcast, I was referring to things like leading HR, legal, IT, real estate, procurement, etc., etc. In most of these things, the, the CFO have ne- has never done before. And, and mm. actually, when you look at these activities in a larger business, you know, these would be individual career paths alone for each of those so to suddenly have to combine them all into one and lead those different areas and you know be responsible and be accountable at board level I think is very challenging um, and, and actually when I look at how the role has evolved over the past sort of 50 or 60 years I mean that that is something that has certainly changed significantly you know in recent decades so, so I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges um, I, I think one of the other big challenges is in the boardroom because mm. boardroom dynamics can be quite difficult. Um, it really depends on the structure of the board. You know, if you've raised lots of capital, the chances are you've got various investors on the board. You've probably got observers. You've got chairs. You know, you've, you've got a combination of people who some some of which are in your full time leadership team and they know you very well. They know the business inside out. Uh, but actually, you've got a lot of people in there who are only sort of partly exposed to the business within their respective roles, and and actually trying to deliver the you know, the finance elements of the board reports to people who maybe don't know the business in the level of detail of the leadership team in itself can be challenging, um, especially if you're not an expert in that industry group, because the chances are most other people in that boardroom have worked in that industry group for a number of years. I'm always incredibly um, impressed by the level of detail that um, a lot of great CFOs can go into in things into things like the marketing strategy, the the sales structure, not just how much are we selling, but actually how is our sales team made up, and and what are the levers that each of those units within the sales team is 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 pushing, or, or um, how does each unit help us get closer to our financial goals? I think ex- exactly what you said the 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 sort of multidisciplinary ability of of um, modern CFOs is pretty staggering. It's unbelievable. I mean, if if you go back. You know, into past decades, you'll find that finance teams were kind of locked away in in the room, you know, and and pretty much just head down, you know, reporting the numbers, you know, working out what was going on in terms of the data, but but not really interacting with the business. Whereas actually, a, a modern day CFO, you know, as a strategic business partner to the wider firm, is constantly talking to people across the company and. I'm always getting asked in our community, what is the best way for a CFO to really get to know the business and to properly understand the commercials behind it? Mm. And, and the answer, of course, is to go and talk to the teams and work really closely with them. 
And I, I've been really pleased to see that evolution of CFOs just getting closer and closer to the wider business and really developing those relationships. And, you know, I always think the measure of it is when somebody has a problem in the wider business, who's the first person they turn to for help? And you know, more and more now than ever before, that person is a CFO. Mm. And, and I think, Patrick, back to your point, I, I think that's why the CFO, as well as owning the data and, and understanding the numbers, I think that's why they're just so, so close to what people's challenges are and, and really kind of understand the different dynamics around each part of the company. I think that's exactly right. Um, okay, different question now. How important, I assume very important, but, but let's try to um, unpack it a little bit. How important is leveraging tech in the finance function? It's not going to surprise you to hear that you know, technology, of course, is fundamental throughout nowadays. And mm. you know, most people, when you ask them why is technology important, they talk about automating tasks, they talk about freeing up time, you know, they talk about reporting data. I mean, absolutely. You know, and I'm sure you know, other people have mentioned that to you many times. But, but I think the really interesting thing about technology is it allows the finance function to properly focus on creating value within the business. Because what it allows you to do is to really automate a lot of the operational tasks and, and, and the sort of compliance and data side of the business, which then allows you to focus much more on the strategy and change and really sort of working closely with the wider business and leadership and the board um, to make a, a bigger impact in terms of delivering the business plan. Now, the other thing that technology brings, of course, is scalability to business processes mm. and you know, again, you know, because a lot of the finance leaders out there, certainly in our community, and I suspect yours as well, they're working in high growth businesses. And so those businesses, they need to have scalable processes very early on that are not going to break as they you know, start to throw more customers in, you know, expand geographically. Um, so, so, I mean, I, I think technology is absolutely fundamental to, to the role. Do you think there are particular opportunities um to implement technology that, that many businesses are still not up, up to speed with? I guess I'm thinking of specific um, processes or tasks that are still being done very manually. It's an interesting one, Patrick, because when you look at technology predictions, they are always based upon the capability of technology mm. and how that's going to evolve into the future. But actually, the thing that a lot of them miss is when they become culturally accepted. Now, the fact is that most finance leaders have grown up using spreadsheets. Mm. And I believe I'm right in saying that spreadsheets are still the biggest source of, of accounting and bookkeeping use in the world, despite the amazing systems that are out there for, for all stages of companies. I still think there are you know, millions and millions of very young companies that just simply do it all in Excel. Now, we, we looked at this and... Yeah, I think nowadays there are technology systems out there that will probably help you with the majority of processes. So it's not really a case of whether the technology exists in most instances. It's more whether the finance teams feel comfortable using them. Yeah. And we surveyed our community about a year ago, and I'm pretty confident the results will be quite similar now. Um, and we asked them an example of cash flow management because cash flow management is probably one of the things that keeps a CFO awake at most at night. And so, you know, you, in order to automate cash flow management, you've got to be pretty comfortable that that system is going to do its job properly mm. and is really going to work for you as a business. And when we asked 
CFOs, how many of them are still using spreadsheets for cash flow management? The answer was 92%. I can't remember the exact sample size, but it was a lot. We had a huge number of respondents to that survey. And I think really that shows the point, you know, that even though there are lots of cash flow management tools out there, the fact is that at the moment, the majority of finance leaders don't feel comfortable using them. Mm. They don't feel that they can be properly tailored for their company. And indeed, they, you know, they've been there and done it with Excel spreadsheets for so long that they're just happy to continue to do that. We had that exact dynamic in a podcast episode. It must have been 10, 12 episodes ago where we were talking to a CFO who, who explained exactly what you said, which was in, he, he was very modern, uh, worked in lots of hyper-growth or fast-growth startups, but there always came a point where he wanted to see the numbers in Excel just because he knew he could trust them if they were in Excel, in his view. Um, so I think you're exactly right, that there are still a lot of finance leaders, finance professionals who, just because it's the thing that they've grown up using and, and, and the thing that they trust, uh, have a really hard time moving off Excel. That does not surprise me at all, Patrick. Mm. And I, I think Excel is going to be around for quite a long time. You know, there are people who have made careers of being an expert in Excel. Mm. And, you know, I think I think that they'll continue to be required for a while. But, you know, at some point it's definitely going to change. But it's just a question of when. Do you think that there is a particular talent shortage or, or the, the cliche at the moment is a talent war in finance? We hear about it all the time in, in tech in general or in young company, growing companies in general, that there's an ongoing talent war. Do you think that's particularly affecting the finance function? It's a really good question. That I mean, I... I think that there are definitely a shortage of people who can tick all of the boxes for the classic recruit- recruitment mandate. Mm. And what we see out there is we see a lot of job descriptions which turn into a bit of a box ticking exercise where, you know, rightly or wrongly, you end up sort of asking the world of somebody, but, but yet designing a package for them which is really suitable for somebody who's just kind of starting to do that role for the first time. Mm. So I actually think there is a shortage, you know, and, and, and when I talked to the finance leader community, I expected, based on everything that's happened over the past 18 months, that it would be really, really tough for CFOs to go and find jobs. Mm. But actually what we found is the people with the right experience are in huge demand. And they are actually getting some really, really good offers. And, and, and I think it's partly because companies now are able to look further afield geographically because of remote yeah. working and, and other dynamics. It actually opens up the talent pool to people. Now, I think if you go further down, I mean, there are plenty of people coming through in terms of, you know, training, you know, taking accounting, SEMA and other types of qualifications out there. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that there's a lot of talent still coming through. But I think the problem that you have when you get to finance leader level is that the skill sets required to be a successful finance leader are quite different to the junior finance function roles. And so it's quite hard sometimes to find the right candidate who can sort of transition through from maybe the sort of the more management roles in a finance function to really stepping up to becoming a leader. Think you have company cash under control? You may have a process to pay people back, but company spending is so much more than expense claims. 
Spendesk gives you one system to replace your old-fashioned company cards, track online payments easily, and process supplier invoices faster than ever. Whether you're a growing startup or you've been doing this for decades, it's never too late to upgrade. Graduate from basic expenses to spend management today. Try Spendesk. We, we recently did a survey, and by the time people are listening to this, um, the report will be out, where we found it was a big survey done with, with YouGov, and we found that 40% of finance professionals across all uh, roles have actual plans to leave their current roles, um, most of them within the next year. Uh, and then that number goes up even higher, it went up to 56% of young finance professionals. So that was finance professionals under 35 are essentially ready to leave or willing to leave their their current roles and what was really interesting about that survey was that it wasn't necessarily that they were unhappy in their current roles it was much more a reflection of the fact that they're in a real position of of power uh, people in skilled people at the moment um, this is kind of the narrative behind the great resignation which is the the term that's being used for it all over the world at the moment that actually it's some of it is people unhappy in their current roles. Some of it is people who've just we've all just been through lockdowns and COVID and, and people are realizing, oh, I could I could not work at all. But actually it's exactly what you pointed out as well, that there you people now have so the the, the opportunities for talent uh, for skilled people, for skilled talent are so much broader because we can work remotely, we can work for companies in other countries that actually People are just recognizing the fact that they could start looking at, at roles that they, they never even considered before. And that's quite clearly carried over for finance people as well. That's definitely the case, Patrick. And mm. th- th- those survey results do not surprise me at all. And, you know, obviously in finance, you always get quite a bit of movement. I think it's important to, to recognize that. Mm. You know, it's probably accelerated, as you say, because of what's happened. But people typically do tend to move around in roles you know companies are are dynamic but also people are dynamic and and companies change all the time as well so yeah I I don't know the exact stat for how long people stay in a finance leader role my my guess would be it's probably around about three years on average Mm. Um, but you look at how much a scale-up will change in that time and you know it's huge and I think what you see is you see some CFOs you, know, you you take a kind of educated guess as to what experience you're going to get in any role. So everyone you know, wants to be able to tick the boxes of doing a finance fundraise. You know, they want to be able to do a, an acquisition. They want to be able to show they've expanded a business. They want to be able to put in an ERP and they want to be able to deliver a great exit. Because if you do all those things fairly early on in your career, then you know, you've got that experience that just positions you so nicely in the future. So if if you can get yourself into a role where the chances are high that you're going to be able to get exposure to those different things and the company is able to deliver its business plan and and actually you know fulfill your aspirations in terms of getting that exposure then it's amazing and you know once you've delivered it the chances are you're going to move on and yeah. um, the, the thing that you know can be upsetting sometimes is where people get a little bit st- stagnated in their roles so you do find some people, you know, they'll join a, a relatively early stage company you know, with the expectation it's going to go on to do great things. But for whatever reason, you know, something comes along and, and means that they're just not quite able to deliver the plan. 
And it's, it's mm. not really a reflection on the finance leader or the teams. It's often you know more around market forces, really, and, and just general sort of industry dynamics. So, you know, I, I think it's really important that people are very careful about diligence in the opportunities that they get um, and where you can take roles that are going to give you the experience to really stand out. Then, as you said earlier, you're going to be in a really powerful position going forward. In that same survey, we found as well that um, finance professionals and particularly young finance professionals were really seeking opportunities to be more strategic, which is something that you mentioned maybe 15 minutes ago in this conversation, um, you know, the, the, the role of the CFO to be a much more strategic leader. But actually, we found that, yes, that's true, uh, but it, it trickles down the whole way through the finance function and that even the younger non-CFOs, the younger members of the team, want to be more strategically involved as well. Are there, first of all, is that sort of what you've seen in, in your conversations? And are there other factors that you think really motivate finance professionals? It is definitely consistent with what we've seen, Patrick. So we ask everybody in our programs, what are their top three biggest personal challenges? Mm. And just to be clear, the majority of people in, in these programs, they're either the finance leader or a direct report. So mm-hmm. they're, they're relatively senior in the finance function, but, but most of them are, are still early on in their careers as a finance leader. Now, getting more involved in strategy was actually level third place. So around about a third of finance leaders, it was about 30%, um, are really struggling to get more involved in strategy. Mm-hmm. And like anything, you know, we had a look at this and we said, OK, why is this happening? Because I'm a big believer in trying to determine the root cause behind these things. And we found there are two main reasons why people struggle to get more involved in strategy. I think the first one is a time issue where people feel very overwhelmed with tasks. And that means that they just don't have the time available to free themselves up. There's about 45% of people that we've, we've asked this of say they are overwhelmed with tasks, which is a huge number. That's almost half of the population. And so, you know, that they are too busy doing things that are probably below the finance leader pay grade. Mm. You know, some of the financial processes, you know, a lot of sort of reporting, compliance, you know, random ad hoc tasks that they're given from the, the, the leadership team. So, so that's definitely one of the root causes here. Now, the other one is, to be honest, most people don't know how to get more involved in strategy. You know, if, if you've mm. come from a background which is outside of strategic consulting, the chances are that you've never done that much in strategy. Now, it will vary. There are, there are some other paths that might have given you a bit of exposure, but it's, it's rare that finance leaders have had good training on strategy. Mm. They don't know what tools to use. You know, they, they don't really know exactly what role the CFO should be playing. Um, in the back of their minds, they're sort of thinking, well, I need to be the co-pilot to the CEO. You know, it's, it's a buzz term that's been around for a few years now, but, but they don't really know how to articulate that. So, so that, that's definitely a sort of a challenge at finance leader level. Now, I think you, know, you, you mentioned about the wider finance team as well. And absolutely, I mean, finance teams want to go and talk to people and interact with the business. Mm. And, you know, another term we're hearing more and more of in recent years is business partnering. And the concept of business partnering, you know, the name kind of gives it away. You're out there working with other teams within the business, you know, being that finance representative, almost the kind of the bridge between the two. And I've spoken to a lot of finance leaders about this. And again, you know, you asked me earlier, what makes me happy? I, I love hearing stories where the finance leaders are encouraging their junior team members to go and make friends with their equivalents 
in other parts of the business, you know, within sales and marketing, within product, you know, whichever other dedicated functions they have. And I think it's fantastic when they do that. And I think it's really educational. I think it gives good variety. And, and it really helps people to add value in the decision-making process as well. I have to know now. So if, if being more strategic was the third most common uh, choice, what were the top two? I thought you'd ask me that. So um, the top one is confidence and imposter syndrome. Right. So six, 61% of people put this in their top three biggest challenges. And oh. the second one I kind of gave away earlier is feeling overwhelmed with tasks, which is 45%. And then I mentioned strategy was level third on around 30%. And the other one that was sort of close to that was influencing and obtaining people's buy-in. So you know, th- those are the ones that are, are standing out. Um, in terms of the others, in case you're interested, I mean, mm. lots of finance leaders struggle to make the impact they wish to in board meetings. So that's definitely another one. Mm. Um, and then the other one was around gravitas and sort of the, the real sort of perception of the finance leader and, and being concerned that you're seen as a barrier, i.e. the person that's of having to say no to things, you know, like budgetary spend or new investment projects rather than you know, really helping to drive value in the company. That imposter syndrome is, is one, obviously, um, it's, it's a very common uh, theme sort of all across business at the moment it's not one that we've talked about much specifically in the context of of cfos and finance leaders so i think you've given us a great idea for a coming cfo connect um meetup or a webinar and 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 perhaps you'd be happy to be involved with that definitely patrick i mean we've we've also got some fantastic mentors who really focus on this as well so happy to do it myself or, or you know we've done some great podcasts on imposter syndrome and and, and just to kind of set the scene on it I, I know we're not going to go into it in depth today but about 80 percent of finance leaders suffer from imposter syndrome at some point in time so the stat i gave of 61 percent is how many people say that they are currently struggling with it so you know in, in their top three biggest challenges at the moment now the reason for this again you know like i said earlier i love looking at the root cause it's quite it's quite a big deal you know stepping up into the finance leader role and operating at board level you know being that kind of unique perspective around the numbers you know being held accountable for delivering the the financial plan that that can be pretty daunting for a lot of people and the finance leader is often one of the younger people in the boardroom um, especially in their first few roles and and actually you, know, you you will find that there is a huge amount of commercial experience within that industry sector which maybe you don't have so you know it, it it's a very challenging situation and you know investors and so forth that they again put a lot of pressure around delivering the finance numbers and so it's not really a surprise that it is something that concerns people i think the reason it's so unknown as as a stat is because most people are not going to own up to that to their mm. bosses you know it's yeah. very rare that a finance leader is going to say to their management team or their investors or their you know it might be the private equity owners yeah you know, they're, they're not going to put their hands up and say i'm suffering from confidence and imposter syndrome and um, we know it because you know within our programs everything's very confidential and, and people open up in their one-to-one mentoring relationships but it's just it's just not something that people are willing to be open about and, and unfortunately it's something that therefore they do suffer from it's a really, uh, obviously a huge issue, exactly as you said. And I think you're also totally right, particularly if you have a C in your job title, it must really be difficult to 
admit that that you're struggling or or especially from a lack of confidence um yeah that's a fascinating fascinating um conversation absolutely i mean it it makes you act differently you know it changes your approach to decision making you know we could we can talk about it in a lot more depth but but yeah i'd love to even myself or someone in the team to come on and talk to you again about that in more detail I think that is, uh, I think we can guarantee that will be happening. So um, I'm really glad you brought it up. I want to move on now to our quick fire questions. We finish every uh, episode of the show with these, as I say every time. Uh, we call them quick fire questions. You don't actually have to answer them quickly. Please go to, into as much detail as you would like. So the first one what is one finance tool that you couldn't live without? And please don't say Excel. Okay, I'm going to go to the next closest thing, which is zero. And sure. the reason the reason I'm going to say zero is because for a startup company, mm. you know, it's a fantastic tool, um, which is you know the right sort of price point for early stage companies, and it integrates into so many other applications that it allows you to just automate so many processes early on. So I think you know for any early stage business, you know, cash is king, but also so is time and. Mm. Zero saves you a lot of time. Completely agreed. If there was one part of your day-to-day you could outsource completely and forget about, what would it be? I'm going to completely contradict what I said earlier, and I'm going to say cash flow management. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I, I do look closely after the finances within gross CFOs, so cash flow management is constantly on my mind. Um, but at the same time, you know, I would love to be able to outsource that and just know that it was all properly taken care of um, obviously it's something that you need to constantly mo- re- review and, and monitor mm. but um, in terms of you know what would I like to forget about it, you know, I'd love to to not have that challenge as an early stage business what's the best advice you've ever received this one was actually quite an easy one for, for me so someone once in my career it was one of the partners I worked with I won't name him but um, he'll, he'll probably know He'll probably know I'm referring to him if he's listening in. So he said to me, the best time to ask for more resource is when either your company or team has just achieved something really great. And it sounds obvious, but Mm. so many people don't do it. You know, we we all battle through knowing our teams are underinvested in. You know, you'd love to have more heads in your finance team. But actually, when you get those opportunities to say, you know, we've just had some great news, you know, we're ahead of budget or we've just you know, saved this you know, huge amount of cost, that is the time to go and ask for more resource because your bosses are far more likely to say yes. To strike while the iron's hot, essentially. Absolutely. And which other finance leaders do you talk to or learn from regularly? This one's an easy one for me, Patrick, because obviously I, I run a finance leader community myself in Grow CFA. So we are so lucky to have seven amazing professional mentors who have all had at least 10 years of experience in, in the boardroom at CFO level. So I'm speaking to them all the time. Um, all of my management team have been finance leaders. So, you know, between us, we've got huge experience there. And, and of course, we've got 2,500 members. So an easy one for me to answer it would be the finance leader community. Fantastic. Dan Wells of Grow CFO, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. CFO Year is brought to you by CFO Connect, the fastest growing global community for finance leaders. Join us for webinars and workshops, get our expert resources, and be a part of an exclusive Slack group just for CFOs. Join the community and exchange ideas with CFOs from the most exciting companies in the world. 
just visit cfoconnect.eu. 